when Oren and Arthur and Sneers came out of the dark side, they realised they were there. They were at the top of Indigo Mountain. Below them they could see the clouds, and through little gaps in the clouds they could see parts of the land below. Above them there was beautiful sky. We did it, said Oren. We're here, here, at the top. Thank goodness for that, said Sniz, because that was really scary. Well done for figuring out that we had to go slowly, but but my body just wanted to run so fast that it was really hard not to. I felt the same, said Arthur, but well done, Sniz. You did so well. Just as they were congratulating themselves, they heard a sobbing noise. (laughs) What's that noise, said Oren? Someone's crying. I wonder if that's the person that was calling us earlier, said Sniz. Maybe it is, said Oren. We should have a look. They couldn't quite tell where the crying was coming from. It was just a little way down the mountain. You stay here, said Oren. I'll go and have a little look. He followed the crying. But then it stopped for a moment. Hello, he said. Help, said the voice. Oren called back up to the others. There's someone needing my help. I'm going to go a little further, he said, but not too far. So he followed the noise, and again he heard, Help! Where are you? he said. I'm coming. (laughs) Help! it said again. He kept following this noise, but much like the voice before, he never quite got there. And then he had a terrible realisation. He recognised where he was. Somehow, this voice had led him halfway down the mountain. He looked up in the sky, and he could see the dark shapes of the big balloons from the sky gypsies approaching. He panicked. I must get there, he thought. I'm late. He ran as fast as he could through the dark side of the mountain, but the shadows hissed and they whispered and they grabbed and they tripped him up. He could feel them grabbing onto him. Don't panic, he said. Don't panic. Hold your nerve. Hold your nerve. Hold your nerve. But it is very hard to hold your nerve when you're in a dark place with whispering shadows and you are all alone. He got up and tried to run again, but the shadows tripped him up and whispered louder. I must do something, he thought. And then he thought of Sniz his dear friend Sniz, and how funny Sniz could be, and how warm and loving he is. He thought about how he had to be brave when he was with Sniz, because Sniz needed someone to be brave for him. And all of a sudden, he found a courage inside him that stilled those feelings. The shadows got quieter, and the grip got looser, and the panting started to go. And again he thought of Sniz, he thought of him doing funny things, dances and playing hide-and-seek. And by the time he got to the end of the dark side, the shadows had completely given up. When he got to the light side, he ran and he ran and he ran and he ran and he ran round until he came to the dark side again. And this time he knew what to do. He thought of his dear friend Sniz. At the top of the mountain, Sneers and Arthur saw these huge balloons approaching. Hello, they shouted and they waved their arms. They couldn't believe the size of them. They were like big pirate ships, only in the sky, with enormous balloons attached to them. They were so big that when the first set of ships sailed over them, they blocked out the sun and it felt dark for a moment. 
Hello, shouted Arthur. Hello. And he waved as much as he could. Stop, said Sniz. I'm nice and I need help. Eventually, one of the ships came low enough and somebody looked down at them. What do you need? said the voice as it looked at them. Why are you standing on a mountain like that? We need a lift, said Oren. Out to the islands. Small island, do you know it? I've been there a time or two. What are you going to give me? You know, for your passage, said this voice. They looked down. They had nothing. What could they possibly give this person? And then suddenly Arthur remembered that he had the glow crystals from Kester. What glow crystals do, said Arthur, reaching in his pocket and thrusting them up towards the ship. Yeah, that's not bad, said the person. Okay, just a minute. I'll chuck you down a rope. He then disappeared and a big rope flung over the side. Now get on, he said. We can't stop, we're on a really good slipstream. Arthur looked around. Oran wasn't there yet. Now was their chance. These ships were moving past. They had to go, but Oran wasn't there yet. You go first, Sniz. You go first, just in case, said Arthur. But what if you don't come, said Sniz. We will come, said Arthur. I am coming. But I don't want to go on my own, said Sniz. Just do it, said Arthur. I'll be there, I promise. So Sniz climbed up the rope. But just as he got to the top, the sky gypsy got scared. What are you doing here? You're not a child. And he ran away. I'm nice. I'm their friend and I'm there to help them. Promise you I'm not going to eat you. I am a vegetarian. I'm really nice. Please don't panic, he said as he climbed over the edge of the ship. Oren, shouted Arthur. Where are you? They're going and they're going to go without us if you don't hurry up. There was no answer. Oh dear, what do I do? said Arthur. He looked up and Sneers was in the airship. Come on in, said Sneers. You said you wouldn't leave me alone. And then he looked back towards the dark side and he couldn't see Oren. What shall I do? he thought. What shall I do? Please, said Sniz, don't leave me here. Come with me. So Arthur ran towards the rope and started to climb. Come on, Oran, he was saying to himself. Come on, Oran, don't miss this. He climbed up the rope and he got onto the ship. He looked down and they were just leaving the last part of Indigo Mountain when Oran came running out. Stop the ship, shouted Arthur. I can't do it, said the captain. We're on a slipstream, I told you. Oren came and he ran and he saw the rope. He ran and he jumped for it and the first time it was just out of reach. So he ran again and he jumped and he was hanging on with one hand as the airship left Indigo Mountain. He looked down and all he could see to begin with was clouds. Imagine the clouds aground, he thought. Imagine the clouds aground. He clung onto the rope with his second hand and he pulled himself up. But his arms, they were tired. They were shaky tired. The airship moved beyond the clouds and he could see the ground thousands of metres below. He got such a funny feeling in his tummy that for a moment he thought he might accidentally let go. Look at me, he heard Sniz's voice. Look at me. Don't you dare look down there. If you look down there, bad things will happen. Look at me. I am your friend. I can get you through this, he said. Oren knew Sniz could. Sniz, although he didn't know it, had got him through those shadows and he could get him up this last piece of rope. He stared at Sniz in his kind eyes and he saw his funny face and it gave him power. It made him forget about the almost never-ending abyss below him. He put one arm in front of the other and he climbed and he climbed. 
Soon he was far up enough the rope that he could use his feet as well. And he looked at Sniz's face. And he kept climbing. And he kept climbing. You can do it! You can do it! Sniz was chanting at the top. And it made Orin have power. Orin finally got to the top. And Sniz grabbed his arm and Arthur the other. And they pulled and pulled and pulled until he was on board. Now let me tell you what it's like on board a Sky Gypsy ship. It's not the same as a pirate ship. Sky Gypsy ships are not wooden. They're metal, and all of the bits and bobs inside are metal too. It smells like old diesel and a bit fumy, for they constantly need to keep a flame going to create hot air to inflate their balloons. They have a big furnace that they stock with charcoal and coal. It's someone's job to constantly feed the fire so that they don't deflate. And as you can imagine, a huge amount of their ship is used for storing their stuff. Sky gypsies are funny-looking people. They never cut their hair, and they don't appear to brush it either. They have long beards that go all the way down to their belts, and many of them tuck them into their belts and long, knotted hair that either trails along the ground or is tied in big bundles on the tops of their heads. They all have a mechanic's grime to them, a black, oily substance stuck to the creases of their skin. They all have eye goggles, well, at least the ones on the top deck, and life on board a sky gypsy ship is noisier than you'd think. With the scrunch and the crash of each coal scoop, and the whirring of the furnace as it burnt up the fuel, the wind whistling by, and the sound of hot steam hissing. It was quite hard to hear one another. Hello, said Oren. Sorry for my late arrival. I got a bit lost at the last moment. My name's Oren. I'm Oswald, said the captain of the ship. Welcome aboard. I can't really show you around because it's my job to keep this thing afloat, but my boy here, Edicus, he'll help you. He called over to a boy who came running over. He was wearing a leather waistcoat, a shirt that was so grubby that they had to guess that maybe once it was checkered, and a little neckerchief tied around his neck. His trousers were leather too, and he had big black boots with many shiny buckles on them. Hey kid, said Oswald to Atticus. Show these ones around, will you? I've got to keep this floating. All right, Dad, said Atticus. Come on, he said, and he started running off along the deck.